0: That was my main brush with fame.
1: I gotta search eBay now and see what John's autograph's going for, because you know she sold it pretty, pretty good. Hey, good news! It's worth more than an Andy Taylor Funko Pop. Nineteen eighties <laughs> now. Welcome back to another episode, well, a very special bonus, exclusive episode of 1980s now here we're doing it again I don't know how many times we've done this now but this is our great pleasure <laughs> to bring you a special episode where we chat with a, a guest that is keeping it alive keeping the 1980s alive in one way or another or plays it has played an important role actually in that decade and uh, this week we're going to be speaking mm-hmm. with author Th- Michael Thomas Perrone who wrote this very excellent book Danger Peak yeah I gotta see you guys right mm-hmm. off the bat you know, I said it was a, like Fetch questy when we plugged this earlier right. this week. But- <laughs> yes, I yeah, remember. About that. And then Michael commented right. uh-huh. on the thing. Like, I didn't really, I wasn't thinking of it that way. I thought, oh, is that? Yeah. I didn't mean it in a bad that. way. Because I know some people say that to be, you know, uh, I don't know, to dismiss stories, you know, but I don't.
0: Right. Like, like I didn't see it as derogatorily. It was yeah. just that, you know, you got to go get some stuff. That's yeah. that's Fetch Quest. I, I, I just have to have a negative connotation. Yeah.
2: And, for, and I didn't you know, even know what it was. Exactly. So I learned and it sounded descriptive. <laughs> no, no baggage for cat whatsoever. <laughs> no, it was descriptive. <laughs> Quite
1: honestly, it's, you know, part of the challenge is because I want people to read his book. It's how do I distill mm-hmm. it for our audience in such a way that they'll get a part of it. Oh, okay. I dig that, you know, latch on to it. Right. To be safe, I'm just going to read some, his little blurb back here. So folks can just know what they're, okay. you know. Okay. This is from the author himself, or at least the publisher, right? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. hmm uh, What's on top of Danger Peak? That's what 13-year-old Robert Kinn and his two best friends want to find out in their small suburban town in the late 1980s. The book is set in 1989. Mm. The three teens are members of the motorbike racing club, the Wild Boars, and with inadvertent help from their eccentric technology teacher, Dr. Howard, they build Robert a better, faster, and stronger dirt bike, piece by piece. That's the kind of fetch quest I'm thinking. They need something from him, and then they come up with this other idea
0: so i need some clarity it, it, how do you spell boar because
1: it, it'd be two very
0: different clubs uh, depending on how you might spell wild boar huh
1: well these yeah <laughs> i would
0: i would be a member of the wild b-o-r-e yeah, club no, yeah, <laughs> right. i expect these bikers are <laughs> part mm-hmm. of the b-o-a-r club b-o-a-r <laughs> no it's probably
1: a joke his uh, the, the character Kristen here would make that you're making john uh, but their club is Ooh. B-O-R-A-S. Actually, I think it is a joke they make early on.
2: Spell that again, Will. B-O-A-R-S. <laughs> there you go. B-O-A-R-S. <laughs> there you go.
1: <laughs> With that spelling, Will would be in the B-O-R-E-S. Yeah, the, the wild <laughs> boar or whatever okay, I <laughs> 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 Isn't that an aurora? The boar ass, That's what I am. Uh, and in, in the, look this and a little bit more about this is here it says haunted by flashbacks of his older brother danny who who died trying to scale danger peak the year before Robert mm-hmm. becomes obsessed with conquering the magical mountain for the respect of his friends in school and with the aid of his improved action bike which is what he calls his bike after he tweaks it Ooh. he discovers what like, lies beyond the peak of the mountain and maybe even beyond the bounds of earth itself filled with humor adventure and most importantly heart <laughs> and that's true it is filled with a lot of heart uh, Danger uh-huh. Peak is an inspiring story about what it takes to achieve your dreams and what it means to feel alive. So yeah, that, that, that look, that's more. That's <laughs> awesome. That got deep. That better describes it. Yeah. Else, you know, mm-hmm. But it may have seemed dismissive.
2: <laughs> I'm a fan. That's awesome.
1: Okay. Anyway.
2: But you know, I started yeah. reading it. Oh, I'm not cool. very far in yet. Mm-hmm. I haven't had much time, but I, I want to find out more. Yeah. I want to see where this goes. Did you so hear the wild I'll boar not... come across the wild boar joke yet? No, no, I'm not that far in. I really,
1: I really think I can find it. I think
0: it's pretty sweet. I might be more of a mild boar than a wild boar. Yeah, mild I think boar. Well, let's do that. The
1: three of us will form the mild boars.
2: The mild boar. <laughs> <laughs>
1: and that's the name of our next podcast. Mm-hmm. And our song will be mild boars, mild, mild boars.
2: Mild boars, mild boars. Do, 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 do. Mild boars.
1: <laughs> so this danger peak, this, this is synopsis even I read, to read you, is, you know, so in this, this town, they've got this mountain that's, you know, dangerous. Mm-hmm. We had some things in our city that were, you know, deemed uh, challenges. When you're a kid, you have a wild imagination and uh, you know you create mm-hmm. these different things. And um, so I was curious if you guys in where you grew up, whether or not you had mm. anything that was a danger peak of sorts, or maybe not a physical place, <laughs> but an adventure that sort of was, you know, to text you in a way that, uh, uh, you know, threatened your very survival. Oh, I don't know, maybe that's oh. too far. That's too far, Cat, mm. don't take me literally. I'm just trying to, you know, sell it. <laughs> <laughs>
2: Does it have to be something we were trying to do?
1: Look, I just say that. And now you say, now you tell a story. It doesn't need to be connected. It's just a, it's not like a a, a loan application or sending in your taxes. You know, like a podcast. Yeah. You won't be audited for veracity of your statements.
2: Uh. I have I have several adventures that all kind of center around Ooh. a certain place. Let's see how
1: many pages you have. Hold them up and we'll pick one. one. Oh, it's a tiny
2: little book. It's teeny tiny. Although this oh, is not- but it's not. spiral
1: bound. You don't know how many pages. Right. That's, those are a hundred pages, those little assignment books. I know. My daughter just got one. <laughs>
2: those are hundred pages. <laughs> this is keep, just my- Keep top. it
0: to one notebook, cat. Just the one notebook, please. Okay, so-
2: there's this place called Wolf Lake in the Catskills in New York. And many, many, many of my summers as a child, most of my summers were spent there. And um, this, this place was falling apart. There was all kinds of adventure <laughs> around the cabin itself. There was free usage of of fireworks that were acquired in the South somewhere.
0: What kind? <laughs> not like sparklers. That's not dangerous.
2: No, that doesn't count. No. Now, Roman candles, you can tell me how you feel. Oh, About them, Mm -hmm. but I've, I've held so many Roman
1: candles
2: (laughs) and I've been so close to bottle rockets shooting off out of Mm -hmm. beer bottles and, and, and also quarter sticks of dynamite. Mm -hmm. That was, yeah. So Kat, who was
0: contributing to the delinquency of you as a minor? Who was giving you all these fireworks? It
2: was my father. Oh, yes. Really? Yep. Yeah. We could do a whole episode on mm-hmm. on uh, stories about my father. This is the tamest <laughs> story you've
1: told us about your father.
2: Oh, but I don't know if the other stories
1: actually made it on the air. So I'm not I don't know if any of them have
2: made it on the okay, air. No, I'm not going to say anything. I, I'll tell you a real quick one. One time, he set off a quarter stick of dynamite while he was in a canoe, a big like metal canoe out on the lake, and he dropped it. Oh, by no. accident,
1: he wanted to throw yeah. it in the water to kill fish in the
2: canoe. Well, yes, but he this time he dropped it by accident in the canoe. Wow! While he's in the canoe, oh, I don't Jesus. know. So he please he blew out. a hole in the
0: canoe and you all sunk. Please no. tell me.
2: <laughs> no, the canoe survived. It was, it was his a- balls that did
1: it. <laughs> <laughs> did anybody see a quarter stick of dynamite in the canoe? Quick! Ah! <laughs> <laughs>
2: uh, and that was a tame story about my father. <laughs> All right. So one thing we also had at the, at Wolf Lake were ATCs, mm-hmm. the big, the three wheeled, um, all terrain cycles, We awesome. did oh, don't make yeah. any more because they're dangerous. Yeah.
0: Right. Yeah. The, the, yeah. We always call them ATVs where we grew up, all terrain vehicles, but yes, right. like the big balloon tires, like could go through mud, yes. big, giant things. Yes.
2: Oh yeah. yeah and they, they were unstable and, and not too safe. Yes. And yes, <laughs> get <laughs> a <laughs> test. But we used to love to take them to a place called the Sand Pits. But one time, one of our neighbors who came with us decided to tackle this really high hill, this really huge pile. I I don't know how high it was, but he went up one side, which was a little um, less steep. And then he got to the top and then he's going down and he... It just started tumbling. The whole, him, like ass over
0: snout, just started going. Oh my gosh.
2: It was a little horrifying to watch. His whole back. I can't even describe his back to you, all the blood. Oh, Oh wow. It was so kind of a danger peak, I guess, Mm -hmm. uh, that I got to witness that day.
1: You messed up my bike! (laughs) That's what my father was probably saying. (laughs) This is the worst thing ever. First, the nuts. Now my
2: ATC, and it had four wheels when I gave it to you. (laughs) Uh, Okay, so Uh. along the same lines of the uh, the ATC, um, in the winter we would also go to the cabin sometimes, and the lake used to freeze pretty well. Mm. I I don't think lakes freeze as well anymore. Mm. Pretty (laughs) well, pretty well, yeah, pretty well. (laughs) We we used to well enough to get halfway
0: across anyway.
2: We used to ride the ATCs on the lake, on the wow, frozen
1: that's lake, nuts.
2: and it gets better. I really don't understand how nothing bad ever came of this. My father used to drive his pickup truck. Oh, my God. That's on insane. On the lake. <laughs> on the lake. Tossing
0: yeah. quarter sticks of dynamite out the window.
2: <laughs> whoa, whoa. Anybody no, see a quarter stick of
1: dynamite? I just had it a second ago. It was right here. <laughs> no, not the other nut. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> <laughs>
0: It's always when we're setting up for a guest. Why really? is it always when we're setting up for a guest? It's like, it oh goes please. from straight, is it starts vehicular and ends testicular. It just <laughs> never goes well.
1: And Thus, another t-shirt is born.
2: <laughs> vehicular to testicular. Write it down. I
1: got to I I start another list for John. T-shirts. already got slot trap on there.
2: It starts out vehicular.
1: And- <laughs> Ends up, oh yeah.
2: Ends oh. up, testicular. <laughs> uh, at
0: least, at least the boat was okay. That's yeah, the important. Exactly.
2: Oh, the the canoe. Oh yeah.
1: Did you have a danger peak, John? Well, nothing. Nothing as violent as
0: Cat's uh-huh. experiences. Oh, certainly yeah. no.
2: <laughs> <representative>. Oh no. <laughs> Well, probably for the best. Though
1: I worked
0: very hard to mask it in my, uh, my lack of any discernible accent. I grew up in uh-huh. the hills, and I was just a redneck out on a dirt road.
2: Yeah. And so
0: my best friend that lived across the street in an underground house with a satellite dish. He and I, yeah. <laughs> we had to entertain ourselves. Uh-huh. So we did something that we nicknamed "ravaging." That's what we called it. I don't know why we called it that. Yeah, it started with. So the thing was, out behind everything, tract and tract and tracts of land, only separated mm-hmm. by just little puny barbed wire that you could climb through. Yeah. And so we mm-hmm. go off on the look. We were raised feral children. We were <laughs> latchkey kids that, you know, yeah. you get yeah. up in the morning and you grab a piece of bacon off the plate and run out the door <laughs> and you're back around dark and that's it. Yeah. And so you entertain yourself when you're done playing Atari. You go out and we just would walk in through the woods. And so mm-hmm. we found one time um a cow who had recently so there was like this cow path that we would walk on. And so it was cow. know, cows, will, will, they will pick a direction to walk. Well, this cow had died and oh. rolled off the cow path and was uh. lying udders up, lying oh. on the side of this cow yeah. path. Oh
2: my god. Slowly. Gosh.
0: Slowly decomposing uh, over over uh, weeks, and so it became a regular thing. We'd go back again and again, and you know you'd look at it, cow. you smell it, and you poke it, <laughs> and you know whatever you could do. End of list, John. Oh End of list. And while we're <laughs> just, just, whatever you so do, while we're out checking out this cow, we also find yeah. on this same property is an abandoned single wide mobile home. Mm.
2: Oh, and so
0: we would go in and destroy this thing. We are terrible children. Oh,
1: wait, we destroyed the mobile <sighs> home with <sighs> the cow?
0: The the mobile home. The mobile home. Uh, oh, it was near okay. the cow. See, they're next to near each other. So once, when we started going back for the cow again and again, right. as it started rotting, it got less interesting because it wasn't all puffy and cool. It was Ugh. just bony and gross. Yeah. Uh-huh. And so when you're out there, so we found this old mobile home where... We fancied ourselves, we're making a scene out of a horror movie. And so we found oh. stuff to squirt all over the windows and smash stuff. And <laughs> it just hadn't been left out there. And we probably did that about, yeah, right. About four times before, like you go into the mobile home. Like it's, it's an enclosed environment. And yeah. then uh-huh. we hear a pickup truck pull up outside of the mobile home. Oh my God. So no. we haul ass he's like you, damn kids, rock and roll, rough, something. And we're hauling ass <gasps> past the oh leftover remains of the cow across the fields, wow. through the barbed wire. So you think back that, to his underground that, house? That
1: guy lives there. You think, or just his property? Maybe.
0: No, no, no. Certainly not. I'm pretty sure that was like the far, like the back forty of this guy's property, where he put abandoned garbage. There was some cars Mm -hmm. out there, and this. Okay. But that was Mm -hmm. a recent addition. It was definitely it was abandoned. It Mm -hmm. was garbage. We made it more garbagey, certainly. (laughs) But uh, you you made it worse.
2: Had he planned on salvaging
0: much out of it, we didn't leave much for him to salvage because we were little terrors, and I'm not proud of it. But I remember fondly the yeah. doing of it mm-hmm. because he and I had such a good time. It was this secret and it was yeah. terrible <laughs> and you shouldn't
2: be doing it. And we were <gasps> doing it. Yep. Yeah. Repeated times. That's amazing though. That might've been hard to resist for anybody. No you dynamite know? Like though. Yeah. No, no dynamite. No. But if you'd had some. What did you do to my cow? <laughs> Who did this? No. Ah! <laughs> <laughs> will yes. do you have any stories?
1: uh nothing that's gonna top that. so uh
2: you know you no, don't have to top my danger it. peak
1: is the story I, I think I shared you know many times before about trying to get to the movies to see uh, I think it was 10 oh. or 10 or 10 that time not trying we mm-hmm. succeeded
2: you you we lived mm-hmm. in a city
1: so our danger peak was six lanes of high of highway traffic
2: right you you Human frogger. <laughs> uh, that's right, human fogger. And, and, and the reason
1: why that's yeah. my danger peak is because my friends, my friend group, my close friends, they probably have a dozen stories that are danger peak. Mm-hmm. But I was the guy okay. who was did not want to show up on the news. Mm-hmm. As you know, you'll never believe what this idiot child did today. Because I'd either be dead or my parents would kill me and I didn't want either of those scenarios so
2: one or the other
1: but, uh, yeah <laughs> but uh, yeah, one other thing comes to mind it's not nearly All as exciting right. but I'm going to save it and tell it to, to our author uh, uh, our guest today so why don't we bring okay. him out uh, we'll be back in just a moment with author Michael Thomas Perone. <laughs> Our guest today is an award-winning author who has written for the Baltimore Sun, Long Island Voice, Yahoo, and What Culture. Set in the 1980s, his new novel, Danger Peak, tells the funny, harrowing, and heartwarming story of a 13-year-old boy determined to scale the titular magical mountain that took his brother's life. Publishers Weekly calls it a feel-good tale on how to handle grief, accompanied with a crash course on refusing to give up on your dreams. And it's already garnered a number of honors, including the coveted Titan Gold Book Award. You can get your copy right now everywhere books are sold, but you can support your local bookstore by making your purchase on bookshop.org. And for more information about the book and our guest, and to see a really cool teaser trailer, yeah, for a book, please visit dangerpeak.com. Please welcome to the show, Michael Thomas Perrone. All right, thanks for having me. Hey, it's Appreciate my pleasure. It. You know, it's it's I, I, whenever we have guests on and certainly on our regular podcast, I like to mention how it, we, we like to talk about how, certainly look back nostalgically at the 1980s, but so much of it is still around or influencing artists like yourself and beyond. You know, uh, based on my reading about you, you grew up in the 1980s, but folks younger than us, you know, are still keeping it alive. And so it's, it's fantastic to talk to you about, uh, about your book, which is set in the 1980s, Danger Peak. So mm-hmm. I guess threshold question, and again, I know I, I that I do know you grew up in the 1980s, but why set a book in the 1980s?
3: That's a good question. Uh, originally, actually, it wasn't set in any time. It was okay. just universal, it was just any time. But so much of the book is a love letter to my childhood, while also trying to reconcile the tragedy at the center of it. That every time I wanted to make a reference to a movie or a TV show or a song, I had the '80s on the brain. Mm. And first, I thought it was a little cheesy. I was like, eh, let's "Maybe not do that." But ended up making the, the book better as I read it back. It, it was like more fully realized, lived-in world. And you know, I often tell people, you know, if I grew up in the '60s, my book would be filled with references to the Beatles, Bell Bombs, and Woodstock. Yep. And instead, of <laughs> filled with references to Star Wars, you know, Transformers, Ghostbusters, and the falling of the Berlin Wall. <laughs>
1: right. Mm-hmm. Sort of just as a, a, you know, one of the many sort of plugs for your book because I think it's 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 well done. Thank you. Is how you insert those in a way that doesn't seem gratuitous. You know, Yeah. Like you cleverly that was by design. Oh, <laughs> and that's what I want to ask you. Like, how do you avoid the trap of, you know, making it seem like, hey, 1980s, here we are again. Remember? Yeah,
3: it's it's tricky. Um, I I don't know. Something, I don't want to name specific examples. Sometimes you're watching something and they just throw in an 80s reference and it has nothing to do with the plot and has right. nothing to do with anything else. And it's just like, okay, yeah, we get it. It's the 80s. So I didn't want to do that. You know, for people who haven't read the book, I don't want them to think I just go, you know, Star Wars, Indiana Jones, He-Man, <laughs> Ghostbusters, you know, period, the end, you enjoy it. You know, yeah. the story, everybody. And I tried to incorporate the references organically to the story. So, I mean, I don't know if I've read the entire book yet, but, mm-hmm. uh, I'm kind of giving away something of the plot, but, uh, the boys are trying to build this super powered motorbike so they can climb the supernatural mountain danger peak that killed the main characters brother the year before. Sure. Uh, and one of the enhancements they have is a thing called the turbocharger mm-hmm. and it makes the bike go really fast, but only for a short period of time. And they get the idea from Knight Rider <laughs> I remember that show. And it was, oh it goodness, was yes. they had the turbo boost button and I was like, I used to watch the show all the time. I was always thinking like, why don't they use that button at the start of the chase? I so always uh, waiting until the last second before yes. he does it. The, the episodes would be half as long. So it makes sense. From production standpoint, but you know, when you're a kid, you're like, let's just get to the fireworks factory and you know, just push that button. And whenever you did and then the car would go, I was like, yay. It was just yeah. the best when you were a kid. So I had, I had a little, you know, homage to that in my book.
1: Yeah, that's yes. Funny. And I don't think you're giving too much away because fairly early that's established. Although yeah, one thing you said, and I'll cut this out if you want me to, is that I noticed that you said it's a supernatural mountain. And later on, certainly at the end of the book, It's, you know, it reminded me of a section of Life of Pi, you know, there's certain chapters in Life of Pi where it's like, did this really happen? Now the whole, I don't know if you read Life of Pi or saw the movie, there's a question of whether the whole story actually happened, but there's this really bizarre Hmm. section in the middle where it's like, uh, maybe the storyteller was just trying to make a metaphor for something uh, because it it was too bizarre what happened. Um, (laughs) Yeah. So again, maybe maybe this is giving too much away. You know, maybe yeah, let's grab that. We should probably cut that. That's giving too much away, uh-huh. I think. Right? I mean when it gets to I'll give amount, you my
3: answer to... if you want. Um
1: Okay, go ahead. I, I think, you know,
3: I know what the answer is, but and yeah. when I was just a consumer of entertainment and I and I realized the frustration some people might have. Like, just tell me what it is. Just tell me what the thing is. Mm. And you know, I don't want to say this is what it is. I'm open to interpretation. You can say it could be one of two things. If you've read the whole book, it seems like you have.
1: I've got my interpretation, and I think mine is right.
3: (laughs) Of course it is. Yeah. And that's why you don't want to ruin it for people. Say, if I say it's X, you know, people are like, no, I thought it was Y. Well, screw this. Then it's kind of like the ending of the Labyrinth. It's one of my favorite movies. Mm -hmm. I'm sure you've seen it where it's like, did it happen? Did it not happen? You know, when I was a kid, I like, my least favorite part of the movies. Like, I didn't say, wait a minute, she was fighting these creatures, and now they're in her bedroom. What's going on? I was like, "Oh, I kind of get it, it as just mm. coming of age metaphor." So yeah, I mean, I, that's all I'll say about the ending. Yeah. It can go one or two ways, and you know, I, I won't begrudge you for yeah. for whatever interpretation you have. But I, I kind of like that it's open to interpretation. Right. But I do, I do have my answer.
1: Dang it! <laughs> and I wish I had said Labyrinth instead of Life of Pi. I'm not host of an '80s show. I should have. Yeah, I was definitely. just gonna say I've never
3: seen Life of Pi. I'm sorry. Damn it. <laughs>
1: Yeah, you don't yeah, have I'm
3: wearing a green shirt. I know Labyrinth. Yeah.
1: <laughs> Stick to my wheelhouse. <laughs> Damn it. My wheelhouse too. I can fit in that wheelhouse. There's plenty of space. <laughs> know. You know, I noticed already that when talking about the telling the Knight Rider story, I mean, what you said and how you felt about it, that's straight in, I don't want to say it's Robert's mouth. I think it's someone else who says it. Maybe it's Chris. His brother. Oh, it's Danny. Okay. Brother. Danny says it. So how much of these characters are based on you and your friends and family?
3: It's, it's fairly close. I mean, I guess it's okay. kind of obvious, but it's not exact. you know. Sure. Exactly like, you know, damp, like this is this, this is that. And you you try to exaggerate and make it more entertaining for the reader. Um, so obviously, Robert is like a very, very brave version of myself. I would never <laughs> find Danger Peak. I would never, I would not have the, the guts. I have never even been on a motorbike before. So okay. <laughs> I You know, <laughs> I've been on bicycles. I I obviously, I figured motorbikes would be more interesting for the reader. You know, says so mm-hmm. kids riding around on bicycles. Um, but the I mean a lot of the book it's it's inspired by my adventures. They weren't as fantastical as this, obviously, but my adventures riding around with my two best friends around town in, in the 80s on our bikes. And I think you used to say when you were a kid in, in Ohio, you ride your bike into an abandoned factory, and for you it was like going through the, the Death Star oh, you yeah, know the trench. And we kind <laughs> of did stuff like that. We had abandoned right. elementary schools because they weren't, you know, it was Generation X it was the baby bus, so there were no kids. So we had two elementary schools that were empty. We'd ride our bikes around, it'd be hills and So I, you know, I I use my imagination that way. The teacher, uh, Dr. Howard, he's very, very loosely based on a music teacher I had in high school who Mm. would get very upset if you called him Mr. He wanted to be called doctor. All he had was a doctor in music. So, you know, doctor in music. (laughs) So, you know, if someone was having a heart attack in class, he would still call 911. You know, he would not know how to resuscitate this person. (laughs) But uh, so I thought when I was a kid, that's really annoying. That's annoying right now. But one day it's going to be funny. And, and, you know, years later, when I was trying to think of a guy, I'm like, I'm putting it in i'm making this kind of a the quad as you know he's a quasi I, I try not to make him too cartoonish you know he, he does have a soft spot in his heart for the boys at the end You know it's something he sort of you know reconciles slightly within towards mm-hmm. the end of the book but uh so that's him uh obviously danny the brother is based on my brother uh, who passed away in march of 1986 from a brain tumor mm-hmm. so um wasn't obviously a supernatural mountain yeah um but he's uh i made him he was 12 when he passed away he was I mean, and I made him older, just because you know why. You know, I'm just answering my own question. <laughs> like, why did I make him older? Because I always looked up my, my brother as you know, he was four years old than me. As like this, you know, really, you know, strong. He seemed to know what he was doing. Like, I looked up and so, so he did seem like a teenager, you know, like an mm-hmm. old, but he wasn't. You know, he died. That's great when he was twelve, but in my mind, he was 17. You my, he was a cool guy. You know, he was like the Hansel of my Luke Skywalker. Yeah, and that's also based in a book. Um, all those. Star Wars sleepovers, that's all based on, we used to have Star, I used to go in his bed, with the with the sheets over our head, and uh, I wanted to be Han Solo, and was like, no, 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 I'm older, I'm Han Solo, like, you know, he, he had a good reasoning for that, because he was older, but, you know, he's the cooler character I, I wanted to be in, but he never let me be in, and then we would strap on jetpacks and go downstairs Saturday mornings and eat cereal and, and watch cartoons, so that was all a tribute to my brother right uh especially when you get to that well i'm getting to my way
1: yeah i know it's um, too tricky
3: who else oh yeah uh Brittany, uh is based on my best friend i exaggerated him exaggerated him probably too much he's a little bit too cartoonish and when i read the book back i'm like, to a little bit too cartoony but i wanted a comic <laughs> relief and he's an obvious comic relief sure and uh chris is based on my friend joe or i should say childhood friend joe we kind of lost touch but he was always bantering with Rainey and I was always getting in between them. So it was always, they always had like this friendly rivalry between each other. And I put that in the book. And uh, so I'll stop there. But yes, the answer yeah. to the long,
0: what it yes,
1: No, based on, yeah. I mean, it's my real life. Look, I, I don't know that you can, you, you know, you obviously, Hey, you're a writer, you know, you write things. It's, I don't think it's possible for an author to escape writing for themselves. You know, they said that even with artists, you know, essentially some aspect of them is painted into that art. You know I mean? It's just, it's inevitable. So.
3: Yeah. I, it's anyone who says that any writer says that, Oh, the main character has nothing to do with them. They're lying <laughs> There's something <laughs> in that main character, some right. type of personality quirk that you identify with. Otherwise, why would you make in the main character?
1: Right. So, uh, look folks early on this isn't giving anything away obviously like uh, sadly you experienced in your life the character main character is dealing with is mourning the loss of his older brother and for him uh it it becomes this you know wanna conquering danger peak as a way of of, you know dealing with that paying honor to his his brother uh at what point did you start writing the the book about based on your experience with with your own brother well
3: Book is based on a story I wrote in 1988 when I was eleven years old. So now you know how okay. old I am. Yeah. Um but I it was only it was short, it was 30 35 pages, there wasn't much to it. It wasn't it didn't have all these subplots the and stuff. Um and the ending was different. Uh but I always knew or I always wanted to write the full-length novel version of this book. I always thought, you know, that the story was good enough that it should be a book. And decades went on, I didn't do it. So like, when am I gonna do it? When am I gonna do it? And I don't want to get too personal, but something happened in 2018 i'm like okay I, I thought that the world was ending i was like you, you know what that's it I, mm-hmm. i'm writing this book because who knows how long and i should know more than anyone who knows how long we you know we have on this earth right and uh i i thought i i thought it was an impossible task i'm not i'm not a you know it's gonna sound bad but i'm not a really a big book reader i mean i'm more mm-hmm. of a you know movie guy which is why it's, the, the book seems so cinematic right. in my yep. opinion anyway yep and uh but it came out in three months, three, four months, I was done. I mean the first year after nah, not the, the finished year. After. Sure, right. I just couldn't stop yeah. writing. And I was like, I had this thing bubbling up inside me for decades. And I was like, why I should have done this sooner, you know, especially when, you know, the eighties stuff was, was really coming out, you know, for you know more than I do a few years ago. Like when Stranger Things first came out. That's when the book should have come out. But you know, I just I waited too long. And I, I tell, you know, other writers like don't, don't wait. Write it down. It's therapeutic, get this out.
1: Right. Yeah, I, I don't think you missed the mark. It seems to me and just a couple of years oh, into this you. podcast, I was like, how much longer can we do this? You know, I mean, obviously there's folks of our age that <laughs> like pop culture. It's only but- like 10 years. <laughs> right. It's like any other decade, but it's getting, it seems like more, there's more coming now. There's more coming And books like yourself included. I mean, I mean in we-
3: today right, while we're recording this, a new Indiana, probably the last one the new Indiana Jones movie comes out today. Right. <laughs> you exactly. Know, that's- Crazy. And he's a huge influence. That, those movies are a huge influence. If you read the book, it's mentioned, various Lost Ark, it's mentioned several times.
1: Yes. Yeah. And there's certainly moments throughout the book, and to your point about it being cinematic, where it felt like various 80s movies. It's inevitable. I mean, and maybe it's just because yeah. you draw on your experiences in your youth, and I lived that, you know, around the same time period. So even if it was by accident, it's so, it is cinematic. I agree with you because there's so many moments where it's like, oh, this feels like this or like, and there's, I don't mean, I won't, won't be specific, but uh, uh, there's a, there's a moment where I guess I can say it. there's a moment where uh, Dr. Howard shows up <laughs> and I was like, oh, this is Cross of Coronado, Last Crusade, you know, where the, you have something of mine.
3: I did, That's a great, I didn't even think that might've been subliminal. Yeah. You're That's a very good reference. That's a, that's insightful. I now I know why you do what you do. <laughs> you're good at it. <laughs> because me. it's all I think. Yeah. About. I didn't, I didn't mm-hmm. even think make that connection until now, but you're probably right. Yeah. There's, yeah, uh, you're probably right. I, I had I had that in the back of my mind when I was writing that scene. I know what you're referring to.
1: Yeah, and it's yeah. it's great because it, like I said about the '80s references generally, it's not something that it seems contrived. It it seems earned. All these moments just feel like oh, so familiar and uh, nostalgic in a way that, again, it's not overplayed and it's just sort of uh, because of the sort of semiotics of it. I think so. You you could say these certain phrases, and I've got I bring all this stuff from my '80s experience, like yours, and these films that just. It feels comfortable and you know familiar, and much like yourself, I didn't ride. I I, I think I rode a dirt bike once in my entire life, and it was during my youth. But mostly, it was driving around on BMXs, which were so freeing. You know, it was like it was much like get your driver's license when you were a kid, because like you're saying in the '80s, and we weren't policed that much. It was like parents didn't realize how far we would drive on these bikes. Yeah. So you never rode a bike. Sometimes they'd be yeah. pissed too.
2: Where were you?
1: Yeah, exactly. I know. I remember going to like a city limit and I was like, I'm going to go over this border here. You know,
3: this oh, is- you're braver than me. I didn't go that far. Was oh, that right? I would cross. The, the worst I did was I crossed a, a highway. It's called Sunrise Highway by where I live. very busy highway. Right. On uh, A lot of deaths on that highway. Oh, gosh. Um, Just to get to the stationary store. I desperately wanted to get to that store. <laughs> I wanted to buy garbage pail kids or something. <laughs> I love I'll that. risk my life, you know, for Fatty Patty or whatever the name that yeah. card. was. <laughs>
1: I love that the protagonist in your book is, is you know, life and limb to get these parts for his bike and you're going for garbage pile kids. That's funny.
3: <laughs> you have to make it more fantastical. Yeah. It's Did, more interesting for the reader.
1: So does that mean that in your area, there wasn't a danger peak of sorts? Was there something like no, that? No,
3: I, where- I live in Long Island. We're flat as a pancake. We don't have any mountains. <laughs> we have, uh, I think, garbage mountains. <laughs> they dump <laughs> a lot of, you
1: know. But was there, I guess, more metaphorically, I mean, like I remember when I was a kid, down the street from mine, and I grew up in Jersey city, New Jersey, before I moved out here. I've lived here for 20 years now, but
3: oh, that's right. I said Ohio before. Oh, that's about. okay. You're, yeah. I've lived here.
1: Yeah. But um, where I, where I am from, or grew up in Jersey city, there was this thing we called the suicide down the sure. street from me. And what it was is there was a bridge on our street that spanned a lower bridge, a lower street rather that was sort of, it was kind of this, the road would curve around and go under itself and then lead to a lower area of, of our city. And the suicide was if you would go on the outside of this bridge along the fence and, you know, go handle, you know, just maneuver yourself along this little strip of concrete and asphalt holding onto the chain link to get from one side over the other, eventually being suspended over the road, you know. And so that was our danger peak. I never did it because I was yep. always a kid that was like oh, you. Okay. Like, I am was going to say, <laughs> I would never do it. No, I, yeah, my, my, I, I live so. by, I don't want to be on the news. If this is something my parents yeah. would see on the news and they'd well, be pissed. Uh, you're still
3: here today. So you did
1: something mm-hmm. right exactly so, so there wasn't anything like that there wasn't the danger peak or suicide no, I mean that the but kids were doing
3: you you, you brought up before it's kind of like a metaphor you know like sure. climbing every mountain There's literally a mountain in, in my book a supernatural mountain in fact but I don't know it's it seemed I mean also like I should have mentioned this before one of the inspirations for the book is uh, this old-school 8-bit Nintendo game called excite bike mm. I don't know if you remember that oh sure but it was a, uh, one of those programmable yeah. games where you could like make the course any way you want. So one day when I was right. a kid, I made this ramp really big and looked like a mountain and my bike was going up that mountain. I said, well, that's an interesting image. And I started thinking, well, what would be on top of that mountain? So that was the germ of the idea for the right. book. And that's when I wrote the short story book uh, version yeah. of the book.
1: Gotcha. Yeah. I should imagine that before. It's uh Renny who's plays a uh, excite bike. I think throughout the, the, the uh,
3: yeah, the I absolutely. I had to put that in. Yeah. It's like, you know, that's probably like an inside joke just for me, people who know the insp- you know, inspiration behind the book. Well,
1: it ties, it ties well together too, though, because I think it's certainly in that, at that time, you know, as a kid who's doing these bikes, you would be drawing those connections, you know? So I think it works. And I thought it was interesting that, you know, they were, they're trying to build this bike to help him get up the mountain and in much the way that excite bike, like you're saying, is a way you can customize these, you know, maps essentially, you know, so it's
3: cool. Yeah. And- Actually, I didn't even think of that now until just now too. That's another, <laughs> all this stuff that you're doing, you're writing, you're not thinking. I'm going to do it yeah. because of this. It just—it's all sublim. It's like a soup. Right. You know. You know this. You no, know, we're living in the pop culture soup, and it just goes through your brain, through your fingers, and you type it out. And then, and people like you pick up on things that I didn't even know, and I wrote the damn thing. <laughs> you know, yeah. Really, really insightful points you're making.
1: It reminds me of in high school, you know, a professor saying, you know, sometimes the our English professor, sometimes the curtains are just blue because they're blue, because. You know, <laughs> you'd have another really teacher medical. another teacher's like the curtains are blue because he's uh you know he's sad about his wife is f- cheating on it. he just made the blue curtains the author wrote, wanted to use an adjective it's pretty yeah and i think if you are thinking those things the book's probably not going to be as uh you know to seem as organic as certainly as you don't
3: book. want to overthink it yeah
1: so you based uh chris and Rennie on two friends and you said Rennie maybe yeah. have you gone a little over the top and maybe a little. yeah bit. i mean but yeah have Chris, have the real life Chris and Rennie read the book? And what did they think about their portrayals?
3: Uh, the real life Rennie has, uh, he liked it. Maybe he's probably a little sore that I made him so, so much of a wuss. I mean, he's not like that anymore. He's yeah. probably tougher now than I am. But like when we were growing up, I just remember he was <laughs> whining about everything. It's like, oh, shut up, Rennie. And like, I said, it's really, but yeah, yeah, like enough of that. Uh, like I said uh, before, unfortunately I lost touch with, um, the guy who's based on Chris. Oh, you did. Okay. I didn't, I didn't notice. Uh, but uh weird side note, um, I'm friends with his sister on Facebook, and we got in touch together because I knew his birthday was coming up. I was like, you know, maybe uh if you're running out of things, you don't know what to get him for his birthday, you might want to pick up my book because there's yeah. a character that's based on him. So uh she's like, Oh, thank you so much. And she's like, You have to sign it. And I was like, eh, it's a little cheesy. I don't know. She's like, No, 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 we have to meet and sign So she made me come out and sign it. And so presumably he got the book. I don't know. I haven't heard from him. I I wrote dangerpeak.com on you know on the inside yeah. cover in case he wants to get in touch with me. Haven't heard from him. I guess you know he didn't like the book. Maybe he didn't like my portrayal of him, but I thought he, he comes out pretty well compared oh, yeah. to Rennie. He comes out pretty he's heroic <laughs> compared to Rennie. So I'd be I wouldn't mind being Chris, but
1: yeah, uh, I haven't heard from him. Yeah, that'd be maybe fun. Maybe he sees this podcast. <laughs> oh, <laughs> I was just, I think you're going to say, maybe you'll see a, you know, you get a lawsuit in the mail getting subpoenaed because of you suing over his portrait. <laughs> just kidding. <laughs> that's not going to happen. Uh, no, I agree. Yeah. And every that's the other thing is everybody, you know, and, and, and you do not I don't think you had to grow up in the eighties, but maybe it's the circumstances that make it seem like that to me, was that everybody knew a Chris and a Rennie, you know, everybody, it, it, we had our friend groups and we all had our sort of archetypes or tropes. Wise and, is that? Yeah, exactly. Yes.
3: Yeah. I don't know. If I, could cur- I can picture, I've, I've listened to your podcast, but I can
1: curse. i Yeah. Yeah. I'm trying to think maybe I will I think I would have been a blend of a Chris and a Rini, you know, like you said, a little more cautious about things, dumb about some things, a smart ass about other things. Oh, I'll throw Robert in there too. Um. <laughs> so, and this may be too personal and you don't have to answer. We can talk about something else, but you, and you mentioned obviously that your, your brother had passed away and I can't help, but I know this, I'm saying something so obvious, right? but it does seem like danger peak for you was writing the book. You're like you said, this was, Mm -hmm. it seemed impossible. It's something impossible. You wound up turning it out in three months and uh, much. So I guess what I'm asking now is in the way that Robert without giving away feels the compulsion to conquer this mountain. And it seems like, you know, obviously I think from the very beginning you think, well, it's connected to his brother. Did, Did writing the book help at all with you with some closure with your own brother? You're gonna make me cry with oh, these gosh, questions. Oh gosh! Dang it! I'm sorry. All right, we uh, can skip it. Yeah, man. I
3: don't mean you're, to be You hit the nail on the, the head. You don't understand, right? That that's why. You know, that's one of the reasons why I pushed myself. It's like, when the hell am I gonna write this book? It's like, yeah, it's the book. I mean, I'll show you. You already know, but the book is a tribute to my brother. I mean, if you look, right, the first thing you see at the title page, honestly, it's for Stephen. Right. That's why I wanted to do it. I wanted a record of it out in the world. I wanted our story out there in the world. Um, but absolutely. You know it's uh I, you know I, I wanted to, to pay tribute to my brother because I love them
1: yeah uh yeah and it, it's a fan- it's a fantastic tribute um obviously the um, as you, you mentioned uh, Danny's cast a little bit older but uh, it, certainly the love and respect and admiration you have for your brother come, comes out in, in the book as well um what are you working on now and do you think <laughs> and is it possible it might be revisiting the 80s?
3: It is revisiting the 80s. Okay. Uh, it's also kind of burying the 80s, both literally and figurative, figuratively. Huh. It's kind of weird. I'll, t- I'll say this. It's not Danger Peak 2. Everyone wants a Danger Peak 2. It's not going to be that. I'm, I'm not <laughs> one of those riders who's like, oh, Danger Peak 2, Electric Boogaloo, Danger Peak 3. Like, what are they up to now? An even 2015? taller like, mountain.
1: It's three miles I, tall. Yeah,
3: imagine now there's laser beams yes. striking him on, on the Now the mountain
1: learned. So it has the opposite things it needs without seeing anything. I, my
3: I you know I, I just I don't want to put down other indie writers like myself, but I read about you know indie writer blogs and stuff, and I was like, okay, part twelve of my you know magical <laughs> children's story. It's like how many times are you going to read about yeah. these children? Um, No, my my next book is going to be a little different, a little darker. Okay, uh, it's how do I explain this without giving too much away? Yeah. Um, well, the first book, obviously, you know, we talked about this. It was. Uh, more or less about the death of my brother. The new book is going to be about the death of childhood. So it's going to be mm. much larger in scope. It's going to be a little bit longer. It's going to take place over a longer period of time. So I'm not counting the epilogue. Danger Peak, I think, is only two weeks time. And this book is going to be taking place over the last year of the 80s and then a little bit of the 90s. And there's a reason for that. Yeah. Uh, I'll just give you a little bit of the story. Uh, it's a uh, main character's name is Bobby Dalton. He doesn't want to grow up. It's kind of based on me. <laughs> I'm a like Peter Pan. Did not want to grow up. He says and, wearing a Goonies and, you know, T-shirt. As well, yeah. Could you? you know, did I give it too much away. Um, but he's something similar. I'll say the teacher. He has two best friends, but they're, they're not the. They're kind of different characteristics though. Right. And they, you know, they're thickest thieves in the 80s. They play imaginary games. They're they're they're, they're children. But then, as soon as the 80s become the 90s, you know, yeah. they turn 13. They enter junior high. They start separating from each other. They start, you know, joining different cliques. And this is based on you know what happened to me. And so, out of desperation. Desperation, the main character, Bobby, you know, he convinces his two other friends to bury this time capsule to commemorate the end of the 80s, you know, mm. put their favorite things from the 80s into this time capsule. And uh, they, they, they don't want to do it, but they, they finally give in. They feel bad because he's kind of like being an outcast. They do that. And then something supernatural happens. Hmm. And I'm not going to give away what it is, okay. but the book at that point, at the halfway point goes crazy. Like oh, my beta readers are saying, I think you went a little bit too far by the dial it back a little, okay. but it's crazier than danger peak. Huh. And uh, I'll just say it's, it's darker. And at the end it, it, it gets a little violent, but you know, it has to be about growing up. That, wow. that's growing I, up
1: even by that elevator pitch. I love it. I cannot wait to read this. This is fascinating oh, to thank me. You.
3: I'm trying for a Christmas release. I don't think okay. I'll make it though, but uh, it's the first draft is done, but I'm polishing it up. Oh, and I was, very of course, good. It.
1: Yeah. And you're talking about your new book. You remind me a couple of things that I, I really dug about your, your uh, about Danger Peak. And it also just makes me remember certain things in my life was this notion of that Robert is going through And I think one of the things he's struggling with his brother because they're what, four years difference in age is that period of time of going from 12 to 13. Yes. And I had a cousin, you know, this reminded me of my relationship with my cousin, who was 15, I think he's two years older than me. He's a one or two years older. But I remember, I since Star Wars came out, every time I would see him, cause he lived farther away from me, I would bring my Star Wars ties. And that's what we did, play with our figures and whatever we had, play sets. And then the one summer I went to visit him and I had, I brought my case and he had an electric guitar now and he wanted to play music and show me how he can play, you know, like Eddie Van Halen. And I was like, oh, why? What about the toys? And they were in his closet. And exactly. I felt so sad. Yeah. And naive, you know, and left behind.
3: It's that, that one, it's it's only one year. I mean, this like, let's do the math. Five, maybe five or six months. I went from, that's why summer of 1989 is my favorite summer. I mean, that's yeah. one reason why the book takes place in the United, in great time in the uh, summer of 19, the last when I was a child. Then mm-hmm. those five months of being twelve to thirteen, elementary school to junior high, being called Mike to being called Peron, <laughs> Uh to getting compliments, to getting rednecks. Like five months. It's like <laughs> what? That no one wants to play toys anymore. Like what yeah. the hell is? It? People aren't bringing lunch uh, uh, boxes anymore. They're bringing yeah. bags. They're bringing shopping. You know, with their lunch. You know, because right. too cool bag. Yeah, they, they wanted to be. It just it. I don't know that's. And I've always been a Peter. I've always. And this kind of ties in actually to my first book about my brother dying. I think you know he died at the pivotal age. He died at twelve. Mm. He never got to be a teenager. And I, when I was, he was four years old. And as I said, so when he was ten and I was six, I'm like, oh, when I'm ten, I'm going to be like that. Mm. When he was eleven, I was seven. When I'm eleven, I'm going to be like that. When I'm twelve, I talk, i do not know what to, after twelve. I don't know what to be like. <laughs> he oh, never got to thirteen. Wow. Right. So it's like, I didn't. That was scaring me from growing. It's like even though I, I, you know, I, I'm obviously on a real level i knew i was going to literally physically die yeah right? i wasn't gonna have a brain tumor right? like i was like turning 13 but you know this took you know years for me, for me to figure this out oh yeah but i had not figure it out back then but like i was consciously thinking if i turn 13 it's like a time bomb i'm going to die because mm-hmm. yeah, he didn't make it to 13 it didn't happen i'm still here today but that's one of the reasons why i was so afraid of growing up but to, to almost a ridiculous bizarre extent i mean i was playing with my gi joe's at 14 15 years old you know all my friends were going on dates you know, oh. little Rennie and Chris were going on like dates. I was like, "Hey guys, you might like." No, I don't want to play GI Joe.
1: That's interesting because uh, you know I automatically listen, like when you talked about this uh, Peter, sort of Peter Pan complex, and I was like, "Yeah, of course," because anybody who grew up in the '70s and '80s, we all have that. And the reason why well, most of us, and part of the reason, and I've talked about this on the show before, is because we could, and we could because we had the technology to continue to watch the shows we watched the movies we watch the music unlike prior generations where the quality or, or certain movies were just not available, et cetera. We could. And, you know, so, but n- now you're telling me there's an even, was even a stronger reason for you to do that? Unlike me, I wasn't motivated in that way. Anyway, I don't mean I guess I'm just making an observation. I, I think it's fascinating. Your new book you said about it be 89 to 90 and in danger peak, it's set at the end of 89 October. It starts in 89. Um, There was something about that. And for me, and obviously I host a show about the 80s, but (laughs) decades, as you know, are a construct. We made it up just like we made up time, you know, marking time. (laughs) But there is something about what is that about that changeover? And then at the time, did you feel like you were observing it? Or is it just only in hindsight that I've said, you know, 80s are good, 90s suck? I mean, did you feel that coming, that looming new decade?
3: this and i've been thinking about this for 33 years like <laughs> you know, and that's i'm kind of giving away the ending of the book but it's like there's a reason why okay it's 1990 book ends <laughs> yeah that's it you know <laughs> because like the curtain comes down it's 1990 now you know done that's yeah. one of the reasons why it takes place in 89 it's you know but also and i mentioned some people think this is completely irrelevant i mentioned the falling falling on the Berlin wall at the end of 89 but i do that for a couple of reasons first of all it actually literally happened in November 1989 but also right we were filled with such hope, but God, if the Berlin Wall can come down, anything can can, mm-hmm. can happen, you know? So that's why, you know, it's a happy ending, obviously, this uh, this book, and you know, for people who haven't read it, and it's like, I want to get a reader, you know, that sense of hope that, that that renewed optimism. But you're right, like I remember, you know, I was actually in Ohio December 89 because I visited my cousins for Christmas, and I was watching a news report, I don't remember, Tom Brokaw or someone, and they were doing a rundown of the 80s, mm. and I remember the, I don't remember exact what he said i just remember the last line he said the 80s it was definitely a good time to be alive i remember thinking he's it, it kind of was if you take out for at least for, for two reasons well for me personally if you take out that huge tragedy at the center of the 80s for me i had a very happy childhood you know i, I love the movies i love the music i love you know my friends love my family you know we pretty much got along with each other and so that's per, you know personally for me but also you know on the larger scale i'm sure people are going to disagree with me and that's fine you know, we weren't really in the 80s in any major wars. I mean, it was the Cold War, but it was a Cold War. You know, there was, it wasn't a hot war. Right. And uh, as soon as the 90s started, that's another thing. As soon as the 90s started, you know, the Gulf War started. Oh, right. a real war. And I remember thinking, being shocked, like, I didn't think I was going to live during a time of war, because my whole life I never lived during a time of real war, you know, right. like, unless you kept Cold War. And, you know, you, you grow up you, you reading about, you know, the Revolutionary War, the Civil War, World War One, World War Two, Vietnam War, you know, Korean War. Think of this is Past this is decades and decades. Mm-hmm. I'm not gonna deal. not want day we start going to war, I'm like, what is going on? Is that like the world was falling apart, right? That, that's one of the another inspiration, war, but that inspiration for, for the next book. But yeah, there's something about that. The music started getting started. One thing I mentioned is you know, you know, in 89, like, I, my brain was like turned online. I was really, I'm gonna mispronounce the square, but I was attuned to the zeitgeist and the music and the, and the movies. And I said, I remember thinking, okay, what's going to be the first major hit in And I put this in the book, the next book. And it happened to be uh, Nothing Compares to You by Janina Khan. And I remember thinking, what if funeral-like dirge that song? You know, we went from poppy Madonna and everything to, you know, I'm not going to sing it, you know, because we don't have the rights. But you know that song and how sad and mournful it was. I remember thinking, man, this is really on the nose. You know, right. I'm going from 12 to 13, you know, I, I'm, the whole list wow. I gave you. And the yeah. music is getting really sad. Right. And then less than a year later, grunge. And it's just like, this is not, so I was basically, the, the long-winded answer to you is, the short answer is, I was nostalgic for the 80s in January 1990s, mm. <laughs> And I've been like that ever since.
1: Wow. Yeah. I, you know, I agree with you. I, I've noted that just anecdotally how, yeah, the 80s seemed like, and I, you know, I did, I think I talked about this on the show once a long time ago, or I was trying to speak, a scientist measured this and I tried to get him on a show. It never worked out. But yeah, that we had happier songs in the 80s than in then sense, it's just sort of, you know, gone down it's and now. beaten
3: upbeat and poppy and snappy.
1: And the crazy thing Some about it. Don't call
3: it is, cheesy, but you know, yeah. and when you're a kid, that's the kind of music you like, you yeah. know, you're upbeat and happy. And then you go through pure reading and it's all down but from there.
1: Right. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Well, hey, uh, Michael, thank you so much for joining us today and talking about yeah. your book. Because again, it's, it's, it's a fantastic way to uh, re-experience the 80s. I think that folks that read this uh, will find something to connect to. Again, I think certainly for me, uh, there's so many moments here between the friends and the adventure. And again, I rode a bike, bike, not a motorbike, but so many things that were (laughs) reminding me of that, you know, the romantic era where, like you said, I felt like anything was possible. And even as a kid that, uh, there were things like danger peak that I could accomplish, (laughs) even if I wasn't entirely sure how, when we started out, you know? Uh, so, uh, thank you so much, Michael.
3: No, thank you very much.
1: I chuckled because I envisioned where
0: you were going. I had an entirely different script in my mind. You're like, yeah. it's a thing. I never did it. I was afraid of being on the news. It's called the suicide. <laughs> you get a little coke, a little sprite, a little cherry, yeah. put all these together, <laughs> which is also called a suicide. I'm that right? like, that's well, not that terrible. <gasps> had you not heard of that oh, before? No. Yeah. yeah, yeah. They call it a suicide when you yeah. just put all the different flavors from the 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 fountain machine into your drink. They call it a suicide, <laughs> suicide. drink. Oh, Yeah, so when you started that, I'm like, Will's gonna. He was afraid of getting caught Mm. getting multiple
1: sodas in one cup. No, 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 certainly not. Yeah, these guys, (laughs) and there's no alcohol. Yours was much scarier. These guys were doing this thing (laughs) called the the, uh, Shirley Temple, not touching it. (laughs) Do it for another time, though. What (laughs) brace yourself. There's ginger ale, grenadine, and a few uh, maraschino cherries, Mm cat. Oh, oh, yeah, it'll kill you. Oh, no, and an umbrella.
0: Cat yeah. was cat's mind was racing, trying to figure out the most <laughs> vicious thing a Shirley Temple could mean, and she totally forgot it, it wasn't that filthy drink.
1: too. Cat, <laughs> horrible,
0: was horrible. Ooh, turn off the did. lights. I'm about to do a Shirley Temple. <laughs>
2: I love Shirley Temples. All right, <laughs> oh, hey, drink. that's that. Okay, hey, uh, look, it's getting soon. Just a final reminder.
1: Don't forget to come and see us at uh, SVGE, the Southern Fried Gaming Expo. Go to GameETL.com. Get your tickets. Get your information. Come and see us. We'll be there live January, uh, July 28th yep. to 30th. I don't know why I'm Say talking fast as if I'm talking up a record.
2: Yeah, you're talking You're about trying to make
1: sure the- that we don't get a word in. Uh, I'm filibustering. <laughs> Bye.
2: Show's over. Play the music. <laughs> but say SFGE again because I think you said SVG. Uh, B O R A S uh, dot com. Go there. The Wild
1: Boars. That's what we'll be. The Mild Boar Club. Miles. The mild Boars. The mild boars. I'm going to write that down too. That's going to be a t shirt. Maybe I'll wear that shirt at SFGE. <laughs> <laughs> A Southern Fried Gaming Expo Cat S-F-G-E Now I said the name So I don't know If the initials matter so much What's really important okay. Is you go to GameATL.com That's where you can get your there you go. Yep, yep. yep, The correct yep. spelling tricks. And all that sort of thing Alright We got cool. to say hi Alright What you can do Is help me pry cat off At John <laughs> So you can get your autograph
0: Stop She's trying to Shirley Temple me <laughs> <laughs> Somebody yeah. help Somebody help
1: I broke her. She's broken again. (laughs) Something Kat would do would be called a Shirley Temple, right? That makes sense. That's why
2: she's cracking up. You see her. You see her. I couldn't help but think of our dinner in the restaurant because you... Oh, you had Shirley Temples there. That's
1: right. When we went out to dinner. Yeah. That's right. Mm.
2: Yeah. And then you and Scott had a silly exchange about the cherry the cherry stem. oh
1: yeah John silly yeah. exchange we didn't have a silly exchange cat ties cherry stems with a tongue that's gotta be the most surprising okay. thing to, it's you a know. skill
2: that's hard I think I called it my not superpower. yeah
1: if you have
0: enough Shirley temples you get practice <laughs> I, I can't is
1: this still the show I don't know all right, hey, I don't I'm, know alright hey we will talk to you next time on 1980s now until next time <laughs> bye bye